In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the priests here at the table, along with Father Spencer and Ben, who is out of town. Today, we will primarily be focusing our time in the scriptures on Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. I saw some of you with your Bibles in hand, so feel free to turn there if you like. Jesus says at the center of this passage, daughter, your faith has saved you, healed you, go in peace, and be healed of your disease. As Ben preached last week, Jesus had just crossed the Sea of Galilee. At the beginning of chapter 5, he is in Gentile territory doing battle with a legion of demons who've possessed a man who lives at the tombs among the dead, and he's bleeding, and he's demon-possessed, and he's a Gentile, and there's some pigs around. This is, a, this is like a haunted house for a Jew. This is awful. Everything's awful there. And immediately he comes back across the sea, and then today he's met by a crowd, including a religious leader, Jairus, on the shore, and that's where our action starts. Today we proclaim the good news, that the power of God in Jesus Christ crosses boundaries in order to bring life to those languishing in death. The holiness of Christ heals in mercy. The power of Christ honors the shameful. The power of Christ robs death of all its dominion. Little children audaciously seek the power, the saving power of Christ today. There are uh, a number of people in the story from whom we can compare. There's um, Mark has pieced together an incredible story from the life of Jesus, and there's some really intriguing parallels. For instance, there's two women in this story. Right? There's a daughter who's sick, um, and then there's a woman who's been bleeding. One is uh, demonstrating uh, death symptoms. The chronic bleeding is, a, is thought to be uh, blood is where the life is, and so she's losing her life slowly over 12 years, and the other one is dying. One has suffered for 12 years, and one is 12 years old. Both are women. Both are anonymous. But the two characters I want to hold before us today aren't, aren't uh, there's a lot to say about the two women who are healed. And I just did that for 20 seconds. Hopefully that's good, sufficient. But I want to hold before us two others in this story, and that is Jairus, the synagogue leader, and the hemorrhaging woman. He is privileged, powerful, wealthy, healthy, <laughs> accepted, male. She is underprivileged, powerless, penniless, sick, unacceptable, and female. He comes and publicly seeks. We're told at the beginning there's a crowd with Jesus, and, and the synagogue leader comes to the beach with the, and the crowd's there and repeatedly begs Jesus to do something. Public request, and he gets a private healing. The woman makes a private request, and she gets a public healing. 
He approaches with reverence, respect, propriety. He's going through all the culturally acceptable ways of asking for someone with power to act on their behalf. She approaches Jesus with audacity, impudence, secrecy, risking social repercussions and reprisals. Today, friends, we proclaim the good news that the power of God in Jesus crosses boundaries in order to bring life to those languishing in death. The holiness of Christ heals in mercy. The love of Christ honors the shameful. The power of Christ robs death of its dominion. Little children audaciously seek the saving power of Christ today. I want to name three dynamics that Jesus is doing in this text that uh, are blowing my mind, frankly, (laughs) and uh, stirring up faith in me and conviction. The first is how Jesus negotiates power. The second is how Jesus uses his power. And the third is how Jesus redefines power. The first, Jesus sees power. He reckons with it. When Jairus, a synagogue leader, wealthy, prestigious, resident of Capernaum. He's on top. He's the head of his family and the head of the synagogue. He's the big guy. He's the big cheese. El Jefe. Right? He symbolizes all that's powerful in the culture. Now, he comes into a crowd with Jesus. Now, in Mark's gospel, as in other gospels, the crowd is a, um, a symbol of the poor. The poor makes up the crowd. This isn't a crowd of, like, the Sanhedrin or a crowd of wealthy young rulers. This is a crowd of peasants and farmers and fishermen. So in that crowd is a woman who is experiencing hemorrhages. This is essentially, uh, she has a flow of blood, like menstruation, but it, it won't stop. And so what this means is that she has 12 years of impurity. She's socially outcast. She's, we're told, suffered under the care of physicians, so they haven't helped. They've made it worse. She spent all her money on those physicians to make it worse, so she's broke. And it's 12 years of going downhill. Chronic illness, not getting better. She's socially outcast. She's broke. She's in pain. And she is desperate with no hope of getting better. So she signifies, friends, the bottom in every way. Every way. Every marker that you would have in Jewish culture, she rings them all. I want to contend that how society is structured and organized is on display here. And notice how Jesus navigates it. Jairus makes an appropriate request. He bows down before Jesus. He implores him repeatedly. Jairus does it right. This is what you're supposed to do when you want a gift from somebody who has more power than you or more resources than you. This is exactly it. A plus Jairus. And Jesus acquiesces and goes with him. The woman makes an impudent, audacious request. She does it on the sly. She does it wrong. She's interrupting Jesus' important business. She doesn't ask. She makes Jesus impure when she touches him. 
We'll say more about that later. She intrudes on, you know, this is like, remember George Clooney ER? And like they rush somebody in on a bed and everybody starts freaking out and they get the drip going. Some of you remember that. Um, this is it. This is an ER run. Jesus is on an emergency call and she interrupts him and makes him impure and contaminates the entire crowd with her impurity, including the synagogue leader. Jesus negotiates this clash of societal power by stopping everything and making it a point to reckon with this woman's faith. It's incredible. The power of God in Jesus crosses boundaries in order to bring life to those languishing in death. The holiness of Christ heals. The love of Christ honors the shameful. And the power of Christ robs death of all its dominion. Little children, let's audaciously seek the saving power of Christ today. Jesus negotiates this power, and then he also leverages his own power. Notice, Jesus would have been right culturally to ignore this woman. He's got important things to do. She's taken care of, and there's a 12-year-old dying. And she's healed. He also would have been culturally right to rebuke her. Why, why are you making me unclean? Why are you touching me? Why aren't you somewhere socially outside? The, why aren't you keeping the law of Moses the way the law of Moses says you should handle the situation? But Jesus doesn't do that. Notice how Jesus leverages his power, his authority. He heals her. He stops to find out who she is. He interrupts his important business. He ignores the passive-aggressive rebuke of his disciples. <laughs> and the, the Greek here, the, it says Jesus looks around intently to find where she is. He makes her healing of greater importance than the rich, pious, powerful person who has an emergency. And then, notice what happens when she comes forward. She knows, the, you know, the jig is up, right? She comes forward, she tells him the whole truth, confesses, it was me, I did it, and here's what happened. Notice what he does. He publicly praises a woman at the bottom of society, conferring on her great status by praising her faith. Your faith has saved you. What? Really? Wasn't it your robe? Could it have something to do with you being son of God? Well, yes, but he says your faith has saved you. He calls her a daughter, confers on her a status in Israel, calling her a daughter, blesses her with peace, and allows her to be an example of faithfulness to Jairus because when, as this is happening Jairus gets a report too late, they're dead she's dead, too late, she's dead 
And Jesus looks at him and says, don't be afraid, just keep believing. Who's, who was believing right before that? This woman. Jesus leverages his power on behalf of the powerless. And he does this in the presence of a poor mob, a poor crowd, and Jairus. When Jairus bows before Jesus, Jairus is entering into a relationship that was called um, patronage. So Jairus is making an official request to Jesus, and Jesus, when he goes with him, is saying, okay, I will give you this gift. I don't know if you've heard this before. Gifts in the ancient world always came with strings attached. So when a, a less powerful person asked a more powerful person for a gift, the more powerful person would require something in return. That's how it worked. This is the patronage system. It still takes place in some countries today. What was Jesus requiring in return? In this scene, we see Jesus leveraging all of his honor and Jairus' honor because he's connected to him through this agreement on behalf of this woman. And he turns to Jairus and he says, don't be afraid, just keep believing. Jesus redefines power here. This is the third thing. The woman becomes the faith leader to the faith leader. Honoring the woman in the presence of the crowd with Jairus confers honor on her beyond what anyone else could give. Jesus redefines power on her behalf. The second thing, and this is a 60-minute sermon in and of itself, Jesus has just returned from Galilee where he was unclean just because he's been in Galilee. He was unclean because he's been in tombs. He was unclean because he's been with a demon-possessed man. He was unclean because this demon-possessed man has been cutting himself and is bleeding all over. He's unclean because there's a, a horde of pigs on a hill. I mean, Mark is basically saying this is like, this is, this is the worst of the worst in terms of uncleanliness. Immediately he comes back, he's in a crowd of poor people. Of course you're going to be unclean there. And then this woman touches him who's been bleeding. Jesus redefines power by coming underneath the powerless and lifting them up, but also we see the holiness of God in Jesus doesn't destroy unclean things, but redeems them. So the power of God isn't threatened by unclean, uncleanness. The power of God heals and restores and redeems. This is a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Because... Because in the Old Testament, the unclean thing would make the holy thing common. Or the holy thing would make the impure unclean thing would destroy it. But here when holiness of Jesus comes in contact with unclean things, life explodes. And guess who doesn't lose power? Jesus. Mark is putting on display the power of Jesus' holiness by accumulating all these things that should be sapping him of power and then the final thing is, and the girl dies. <laughs> and the, the person reading this is like, oh, there's no way this is going to happen now. And what Jesus does is takes her hand. Get up, little girl, and grab a donut. 
Today, friends, we proclaim the good news that the power of God in Jesus crosses boundaries in order to bring life to those languishing in death. The holiness of Christ heals the suffering. The love of Christ honors the shameful. And the power of Christ robs death of all its dominion. Little children audaciously seek the saving power of Christ today. A few implications for us, and then um, we'll close. I think this text teaches us to make time and to give honor to those we are biased and prejudiced against. Those at the bottom, the least, the marginalized, the last. To let them teach us. To let them scandalize us, even make us squirm. Because they are breaking the law, perhaps. Purity protocols and whatnot. Notice that the salvation Jesus offers here, um, it's conferred by touch. The word for heal is the same word for salvation. It's this little interesting part of the Greek language. Notice that these two women are saved, but there's no mention of like guilt and hell. And what if you died tonight? Notice the salvation isn't some abstract like transaction I've made with God, but it's real world needs being met, death being destroyed and overcome. Notice that. Both people, to put it in our language, had a kairos moment, a desperate need. And then they had an encounter with Jesus, and in that discreet moment, they trusted Jesus. It was the woman with hemorrhaging who trusted Jesus. And then notice Jairus is the one whose faith is active in the healing of his daughter. So implications for us, friends. We need a gospel, a good news that can deal with real world stuff that's jacked up. Real suffering, real pain, real injury, real loss. Jesus cares about it. Jesus is with the marginalized and the oppressed and the poor. And he's there redefining how power works, lifting those people up, leveraging his power on their behalf, and making them the faith leaders to the faith leaders. I think he's still doing it. And we must be with them, the poor and the marginalized and oppressed, to experience this. The synagogue leader misses out on all this if he's not with this crowd. He stands and watches as time slowly slips away and what he wants to get, which is a good thing, his daughter living, can we say amen? He watches as time slips away and what he wants, what he wants to get becomes less and less likely. He endures a woman getting praise, but not him. Jairus has every reason to be offended To feel slighted. If Jairus went looking for offense, he could have found it in a number of ways in this text. But what he gets is the faith model of a social outcast. 
today, friends, the good news for us is that the power of God in Jesus crosses boundaries in order to bring life to those languishing in death. The holiness of Christ heals in mercy. The love of Christ honors, lifts up the shameful. The power of Christ robs death of all its dominion. Little children, let us audaciously seek the saving power of Christ today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.